thoughts to the 42nd chapter in the book of Genesis and to verse 36. Verse 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Very clearly, Jacob had come to a wrong conclusion. He was now getting to be an old man. He had had many experiences, and through these experiences, he was repeatedly reminded of the dependability of God. When his own understanding failed him, and when his expectation of others failed him, God was there and maintained such a providence that Jacob survived, came to old age, and still maintained that wonderful comfort that throughout his life God had intervened in different situations and had sustained him. And yet we see him in this instance coming to a very wrong conclusion and a conclusion that you would not expect of a person of the caliber of Jacob or of Israel as his name was now uh, should come to. But there it is. The greatest of believers fail in thought, in word, and in deed. And even a patriarch is not to be depended upon for a right understanding of God. Now, perhaps we should remind ourselves that when Jacob was born, his mother Rebecca had received a direct promise from God that the younger, that the older would serve the younger. 
And Rebecca always had that in mind, and so she should, because it was God's word. And if God says something, it will always be fulfilled sooner or later. But we see that when Jacob came of age and circumstances had developed, that Rebecca, notwithstanding the promise that she had received, failed miserably. We first of all see Isaac, the child of Abraham, through whom the promise was to develop that his seed, through his seed, the world would be blessed. It was a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will find these references, as you know, from the time that God said in Genesis that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. And there is nothing more consistent in the Bible than the forecasting of Messiah. You find it in Genesis. You find it right through the scriptures. To the point that when Christ was born, the Jews did expect a Messiah, but it was a Messiah of their own making, which was no Messiah, but firmly embedded in the minds of Israel notwithstanding the different ways in which they had failed God and failed themselves over the millennia, embedded in their minds was the idea that God promised Messiah and Messiah would deliver Israel. Now, if we come back to Isaac in his old age, he, his thoughts seemed to be, in a sort of way, about dying. But they were unusual thoughts. If you are conscious of your frailty and uh, you are not feeling well, and if you are old, uh, then... Uh, you say to yourself, well, perhaps I haven't got long to go. But Isaac, in his old age, asked Esau, who was a very skilled hunter. Uh, uh, there was something very dashing about Esau as a son. Uh, a very much livelier type of person than Jacob, who is described as a plain man. 
But uh, Isaac asked Jacob, Isaac asked Esau if he would go and hunt for deer so that he might have venison such as he enjoyed and uh, bless him before he died. Now, there is no word of consulting whether this should be as Isaac seemed to understand it should be. But there you have it. He didn't have the word of God for what he was asking. And he was speaking about death and uh, he was speaking about the blessing of the covenant. But all these thoughts got mixed up in such a way that somehow or another uh, Isaac's idea of a very enjoyable meal seemed to have taken over his powers of reasoning and understanding. And when we come to Rebecca, well, she had received the promise. And he who promised was very able to fulfill that promise. But Rebecca felt, because she overheard Isaac speaking to Esau, she felt that she should intervene. In other words, that she should help God. An extraordinary thing for a human being to think. Uh, how often we do think that. Uh, and how often we think that so much depends upon us. Which, if it were true, would declare disaster for ourselves and for the whole world, even if we are believers. <clears throat> and so, Rebecca encouraged Jacob. And Jacob was afraid of being found out in what uh, Rebecca was planning and he, he said that instead of receiving a blessing he would receive a curse if his father Isaac recognized the deception but Rebecca said well let your curse be upon me you do exactly as I tell you what a strange thing that she should put her hand to the things of God through the instrumentality of a deception, of a plain lie. And then we come to Jacob himself, he who was to receive the blessing. God had promised Rebekah that Jacob would receive the patriarchal blessing, 
he at last, when he thought that, well, he would follow his mother's advice, uh, he went along with it. And he plainly said to his father, who was blind, or pretty well blind, uh, that he was Esau. Now, Isaac recognized Jacob's voice, but the other things, and remember he was an old man, not so sharp in his faculties as he once was. And he thought, well, the smell of the garments and uh, the hairiness where she had put the goatskin on his hands, <coughs> he came to a conclusion, well, it seems to be Esau. And so he blessed him. And we see, of course, that Jacob was not blessed because Esau pronounced it, but he was blessed in that God had said that the older would serve the younger and he received the patriarchal blessing. But you can see the, the, the whole approach. It went all pear-shaped. And uh, the three of them, three of God's chosen people, went all wrong in a situation which they were of themselves incapable of correcting. extraordinary. And now we see Jacob coming to uh, mature years. He was getting an old man. And <clears throat> we see how his sons had acted in an extraordinary way. They were very unbrotherly and uh, we see how they acted towards Joseph but at this stage your conclusions my conclusions they may be very proper in our own minds but if you think or if I think that we are going to help God or we are going to enable things to happen, forget it. Mercifully, it's not in your hands. And mercifully, it is not in my hands. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. God uses instruments but he overrules what is contrary to all that is holy. He overrules it mercifully. And we see the reason for Jacob coming to the conclusion that he 
came to in this verse that God was working against him. May ye have bereaved of my children, Joseph. May ye have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And he will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Now, the main plank in the thinking of Jacob or of Israel at this time was the death of Joseph as he had understood providence. And it was a very convincing providence when the sons came with Joseph's coat of many colors spattered with blood and Jacob came to the conclusion that he had been slain by wild animals. The fact of the matter was, as you know very well, that they were going to kill him, uh, but providence intervened. Of the 12 sons, or or of the 11 sons, Benjamin wasn't there. Only Reuben, the firstborn, and Judah, the fourth of Leah, uh, they were the two that tried uh, to spare Joseph's life. And Judah succeeded with his argument that it was better when they saw some uh, merchant uh, men coming uh, to sell him to the Midianites for uh, uh, 20 pieces of silver. And that was the last they heard. But today, for a little while, I would like to concentrate on Joseph because (coughs) Jacob's words at this time shows a conclusion where he does not question his sons as such, but he questions God. And that's a very serious thing to do. But God is gracious and very forgiving. And he forgave in this instance, and he still forgives. First of all, then, we will look at Joseph, his rejection and his preservation. And we see, first of all, that Joseph was a special son. Uh, Rachel was his mother, and she had acted very, very strangely uh, because she wasn't receiving a son. She told Jacob, give me a son or I die. She went to the wrong source. It wasn't in Jacob's power, and Jacob was angry with her, although he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And then, of course, she had Benjamin, 
and death came to her unexpectedly. She died giving birth to uh, uh, Benjamin. And uh, so uh, we see the father, uh, we see Joseph, first of all, a very special son. And Jacob loved him. And there was something special about Joseph. It would seem that from his youth he seemed to be very, very, uh, a very beautiful character. And while he was still young, he had dreams. And he spoke about these dreams to his brothers, which suggested that some way or another, Joseph was going to have a very superior place in the order of things if the dreams came true. And he even spoke to his parents and said, what would again suggest that his parents would uh, recognize him uh, as superior in the place that God gave him. So we see Joseph, a very fine type of person, and a person who was very upset with the behavior of some of his brothers or his half-brothers, very upset. And he told his father about it, what, what was happening. And uh, his brothers, of course, were very jealous of him. And they speak about him when they saw him coming with food. Uh, they, here is the dreamer. And we come to the rejection of Joseph. And it was a terrible rejection. They, you know the story, and eventually, through the intervention of Judah, the fourth son, uh, he was sold to Midianites. <coughs> and it is beyond imagination the feelings that Joseph must have had to know that his brothers wanted to kill him and then sold him uh, as a slave. It must have been something that just you and I cannot imagine, uh, such thoughtlessness and inhumanity. But that is what sin is capable of transforming a man into a devil in his actions. And we see it in ourselves, we see it all around us. And we know the turmoil throughout the world, horrible things happening in our own country and horrible things happening in other countries.
that are no nations but carry the stain of this enormity of sin where sin makes us behave uh, in a thoroughly inhuman and uh, in a horrible way. Put not your trust in princes, nor man's son, in whom there is no stay. Scripture never lies, and that is what Scripture says. And it's not only that you ought not to put your trust in your fellow men as such, but don't put trust in yourself, including those that you cannot trust. There is a measure in which you show trust, and it's a very minor measure compared to the measure of eternity to which we are all traveling, and traveling very quickly. And so we see the rejection of Joseph. And it is extraordinary how God took care of him. And this is against what Jacob is saying, all these things are against me. And he was pointing not at providence, but at the God of providence. He may not have meant it that way, but that is the way and the only way it can be interpreted. All these things are against me. Now, there may have been reasons in Jacob's mind. He may have thought of his own Deception at an early stage, he was somewhat adept at deceiving people. He did it with Laban, and Laban, of course, deceived him. But very often he seemed to practice sharp practices that were not admirable and did not point to forthrightness. But nevertheless, Israel was a prince with God. Uh, when we see the faults of Jacob, don't think for one moment that God is telling us what a bad man he was, that that is the only thing he's telling us. God is telling us, look at Jacob, then look at yourself. You may not be and you are not a patriarch, but you do have sin. And sin works in your mind, in your will, and in your heart. And it makes you a devil rather than a kind, thoughtful human being. And but for the grace of God, one would be subject to the very worst that can befall a sinful human being. Oh, my dear friends, sin 
is rottenness, rottenness to the core. When those of us who are old were young, we often thought, when we get away from home, its restrictions and its way of life, that we would have freedom at last. And when we did get away from home, we practiced that freedom until we realized we found out it was not freedom at all, it was bondage. And you often see these actors and uh, people who have risen to prominence in the world and uh, millionaires and you would think that, uh, well, they have it all and surely life is rosy for them. But some of these people become so miserable that they commit suicide. It's very tragic. Money is a defense, and it is wonderful when you are able to pay your debts, but money of itself will never bring you happiness. Never. But God will bring you happiness. Holiness of life will bring you happiness. A joy that will bring, that bring, that will cause the tears of gratitude to flow. And for the thankfulness that you are in the hands of God and not in your own hands or in the hands of men. And so we see Joseph, and there he is, a slave. What happens? Well, you know the story, how he went to Potiphar's house, and he rose to the very top. There was something special about him. But through the lies of Potiphar's wife, he was put to prison. And in prison again, the Lord was with him. If you read some of these chapters, you will read again and again, but the Lord was with Joseph. And if the Lord is with you, or if he is with me, then we are safe, absolutely safe, no matter what the problems in our life have been or even are very safe, very, very safe. But it's a lot easier to say that than to practice it, a lot easier. I'm an old man, and very often I get cast down, very cast down, and come to conclusions in a similar sort of way that my sin is such that certain things develop in my life. But if God were to mark sin against any of us, none of us 
could stand. None of us. And so we see Joseph's rejection, but the Lord was with him. In the prison again, he rose to the position of a wonderful trust, and he was put in charge of, uh, by the governor of the prison. And you remember the story of the butler and the baker uh, who were sent to prison by Pharaoh, and they had dreams. And uh, the butler, he was hanged just as Joseph had interpreted he would be. And uh, the butler was restored to his position. But Joseph had said to him, when it is well with you to remember him. But the butler, when he was raised to his position, he totally forgot about Joseph. I do remember, he says, my faults this day, he said to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody could interpret it, and the butler said that there was a man that was able to interpret dreams. And he spoke about Joseph. You see how the Lord was with him. Everything was against him, providentially, in the sense that uh, there was no help from man. But the Lord was preserving him. And uh, we see how his preservation at this time when Jacob was speaking so strongly, so passionately uh, of his loss, Joseph was second to the king of Egypt, to the pharaoh of Egypt. And he was completely in charge. <coughs> An extraordinary situation. And that is how it is today with yourselves and myself. We see ourselves, and if we see ourselves as Scripture tells us we are, we know that in our flesh there dwelleth no good thing. And we ought to be careful when we speak about the sins of others, that we don't forget our own sin. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And let us also remember that every sin, every sin, deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. We have to speak about against sin, but let us be enabled through the gracious inworking of the Spirit to have the awareness of our own sin before we begin to speak of the sins of others. We live in a time when 
there seems to be a falling away, a terrible falling away in church and state. And we blame this person and that person for what is happening. It is an indication of what sin does to us, not only to him, that is, that great sinner, but to me, who am also a great sinner, and who, but for the grace of God, would go to a lost eternity. And remember, it is the grace of God. Faith is grace. It is a gift of God. It's not something that you have inherited from your parents or from your own thinking, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit, the wonderful, wonderful third person of the Trinity who works and applies in such a way that he always achieves the end that he has purposed, and it is a most holy purpose. If a person is converted, it is not any other man that has converted him, but the Holy Spirit has brought the truth in Christ through the love of the Father to bear upon that individual. It is the work of the Spirit, and that should be an encouragement to you whatever type of sinner you are, it should be an encouragement to us all. Uh, it would be a terrible thing if it was dependent upon ourselves to save our lives. A terrible thing, because we can't do it. But when God says, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely, just stop there and look to him who is able to save you from your sin. Don't try to understand what no theologian understands except in a very small way in this world. Oh, my dear friends, infinity, immensity, immeasurableness, where do you start your reckoning? You cannot. I cannot. No matter who we are. But remember the character of God. We are in the hands of that God who has revealed himself in Christ. Christ who wept over the city of Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered your children, but ye would not. And so, Jacob was all wrong, and he found that out in a most beautiful way. And wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I, at the end of our day, would find out 
with Jacob that all these things are not against us, but all these things are for us. All things work together for good for those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we look to thee to do in us and for us infinitely beyond what we are able to ask or think for thy great name's sake. Amen. Amen. We shall sing our closing psalm in Psalm 18, the 18th Psalm. <coughs> and from verse 28, verse 28, uh, the Lord will light my candle so that it shall shine full bright. The Lord my God will also make my darkness to be light. <clears throat> Psalm 18 from verse 28 through verse 32 to God's praise. <coughs> at 6.30 p.m. 
and the services next Lord's Day, 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., taken by the Reverend William MacLeod. The prayer meeting on Thursday, 2nd June, at the usual time of 7.30 p.m. and will be taken by Ian Martin. And the building fund collection is due today. The remaining balance of the witness are on of, of the witnesses are on the table. There are sheets with a summary of the General Assembly on the table in the vestibule. Please take one. And it is with regret that we have to tell you that Mrs. Ferrier, widow of the Reverend Hugh Ferrier, is very seriously ill and not expected to recover. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.